This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest preview podcast and joint match report for the third week running. We will be sadly taking a look back to our very disappointing result at Ellen Road, not the victory as I predicted last week, and looking ahead to the visit of Burnley to Sellers Park, where Crystal Palace will face Sean Dyche's lookalikes. The Match Report. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Yes, welcome everyone to the show. Um, slight change in the lineup this week. Uh, Heskiff is out with a cold. Um, fingers is crossed it's not the dreaded COVID. Um, and Albert, you've returned from the, the void. Where have you been? Uh, just busy, mate busy how's um how's Stiltman the movie looking because we heard that's um you were talking about working on the new Stiltman movie I've signed an NDA so I'm actually not allowed to talk about it I'm afraid <laughs> oh sad times we all look forward to it Hambo back mm. again yeah yeah can't keep me away now can you no absolutely not right I'm thirsty so let's do this yeah I'm thirsty I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? I'm going to leave you three to it, man. Oh, I've got a brew dog this week. It's called Dogma, and it's a Heather Honey Owl. 7.8%, so Hambo, not quite the 9% of last week. Why why do you do this to yourself? Like, literally, beer above about 3.5% tastes horrible. So what's going on? Well, when you have to spend an hour to an hour and a half once a week with Albert and Heskiff, Uh... it gets me for it. Wasn't yeah, on no. last week. Wasn't on last week. <laughs> or the week before. I think, um, yeah. And what, what's our what's our record like without Albert? Is it similar to Palaces without Zaha? I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, worse. <laughs> worse. Worse. Uh, what, what are you drinking, Albert? Uh, well, not through choice. There was a bit of a mix-up with, uh, I'm sure the hundreds of people who listen to this show and follow me on Instagram uh, will know that there was a bit of a substitution mix-up with the Ocado, uh this week. Um, 
And instead of getting, I think it was meant to be Pacifico, uh, they've obviously gone, well, this guy likes Mexican beer, so let's send him Desperados. Oh, mate. So, so, so I'm on a... What's this? Five point. I'm on a five point nine percent desperado, and that that comes with extra wig you out value as well. <laughs> like that little that little bit of tequila on the end is definitely gonna um. Yes. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks to when I was like 14 and in France with a keg of desperados from the the uh, what do they call the supermarkets over there? The supermarché. Uh, <laughs> I was well hard. Why are um, you pronouncing it desperados? What is it called? Surely it's not. I thought it was just Desperados, isn't it? Isn't it's got it got an Desperado? S on the end. Is it got an S on the end? Desperado? Yeah. It's not an apostrophe S? I don't know. Desperados. I'm confused. Confused. So, so somewhere in South London, Heskiff's um, turning over in his deathbed or whatever he's in, at your, at your pronunciation of Supermarshall there. And, his, and Vanessa, his wife. He's probably livid at how I'm, I'm mispronouncing Probably the most Mexican of all the products, Desperados. Desperados. How do you pronounce um, Doritos? Um, uh, <laughs> Doritos. Well, not Doritos, okay. Just checking. Listen, I've, I'm pretty sure it's called Desperados. You're probably right. Do- Doritos sounds decent. Can he play up front? <laughs> <laughs> right um what are we going to start with andy johnson's 40th birthday um 40 wow um I, I, I don't know why i feel like that makes me feel old even though i'm younger than him but somehow it does yeah um, we're not all younger than him are we so <laughs> <laughs> well I'm not, like with all the weight you're dropping hand you're starting to morph into him a bit i know it's uh it's happening isn't it i mean you know i might actually look my real age soon you never know <laughs> any particular Andy Johnson memories that stand out for you in um on the on as I was gonna say it's his 40th on the day of recording of course it's his 40th I mean so many I mean I, I go back to, I mean the Brighton 5-0 obviously just sticks out a mile but I think it was a you know similar similar performance against was it Walsall you'll remember mm, um, the day yeah, it was the Tuesday before the 5-0 against Brighton yeah yeah back-to-back um, hat-tricks yeah just sensational stuff. I, you know, I vividly remember when we got him because I, it was the fir- first season in a while I'd had a, a season ticket. I was sitting in the main stand, and obviously we'd lost Clinton, and I was massive and still is, still am a massive Clinton fan. I just thought, well, you know, we got this kid who missed a penalty or whatever, and I watched him. And even though you know, I think we all remember he didn't, you know, didn't spark straight away as as the striker he was, but. It was just the effort straight from from sort of minute one that he put in. The, the you know he chased absolutely everything, just incredible pace. And I thought, well, you know, actually this this kid's all right. And you know, I say kid, he's only only two, a couple of years younger than me. But I just thought, you know, we might we might have something here. And you know, I, I always feel very smug about the fact that I was I was talking to a, one of my friends who came with me to a, to a game later on in that first season. And I was saying, you tell. I mean, it was, it's quite a dumb thing to say, and I, you know, and I admit this. But I was saying, you tell me what the difference is between like Michael Owen and this guy. If you stuck, if you stuck him in the same team, had the same players around him, tell me what the difference is. He'll, I said, he'll play for England one day, and he did, didn't he? Didn't score for England, but he did. Did play. Yeah, I'd, um, literally I'd... for one day, wasn't it? <laughs> it might have been. 
No, I think he got two in, didn't he? Didn't he? I'm, I'm pretty sure there was two friendlies in the same camp, basically. So he just got involved in those. Uh, but I, don't, I, I had the complete opposite. I, um, early on in his Palace career, we were, was away at Sheffield Wednesday and he hadn't scored yet, or he might have only scored one. Or no, I don't even think he'd scored a Palace goal. And he put a header from six yards. Uh, he hit the post of it when it was easier to score. And I think I might have said this on the pod before I turned to my mate Dave, um, Dave and said he'll never score goals. <laughs> and then I think a, a week later he scored and then did not stop scoring and did not stop scoring. So whenever whenever I see my friend Dave, he always says, do you remember that time when you said Andy Johnson never scored goals? Don't try and tell me you know about football. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, yeah, I'm much over you. Might, might, you know, with, all, with all the Premier League goals and all the things that um, came within the promotion season, all of that, you know, it was the that... That hat trick at Walsall, followed by the hat trick at Brighton, was just yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. What about you, Albert? Any particular um, Johnson memories? Overrated. <laughs> no, I, I jest, of course. Uh, I remember going back to what almost ties in with what you were saying about saying he'd never score goals. I remember a, a certain Palace um, message board based website having a uh, a picture of Andy Johnson in his early Palace career, and I think the headline was something like why Andy Johnson will never score goals. And it like they'd zoomed in on his foot and somebody had like photoshopped a, a golf club on the end of his foot. I don't know which golf club was. It was obviously one that hits the ball high. Uh, sand wedge, sand wedge, nine iron. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, mate, definitely. Um, and obviously, again, as your, as your tale told Terence, it kind of wasn't the case. He went on to be amazing. And he always came across such a nice chap as well. Um, I love I, I, oh, sorry, I thought you'd finish. I was going to say I love that you um, you're going on that like you don't know what golf is uh, when when you've got a driving range in your backyard of your grounds. Yeah, well, it just came with the house, mate. Um, <laughs> no, I, and it was it was kind of not. I, I mean, I was walking behind Andy Johnson for a good like hour in the marathon march a couple of years ago, um, and uh, yeah, it's just like it's it's very strange. I know you've played in a in a game with him, Terence, but it's like, oh yeah, Sandy Johnson. He was like responsible for mm. so many uh, happy occasions in what was you know turned out to be a really you know it was bittersweet that time, wasn't it? You know the way we got relegated um, and then the drop back down to the championship. And I was it away at Reading when he got absolutely mullered and he was sort of out injured for a while. And you know it was kind of bittersweet the way his Palace career ended. Obviously, we've got a fair mm. bit of money for him, but um, yeah, but always a legend in my eyes. Yeah, you, that that game you talk of me playing with him was in the Remf game in 2016, and it was what an unbelievable night. Um, and just to, he scored two goals in a three-two win when we come back from two-nil down, and he scored an 87th minute winner. And I kid you not, he celebrated like he'd scored a winner in the Premier League. He ran off to the corner, um, waved everyone over, got absolutely mobbed. And then for the cameras, as he started running back towards the centre circle, he did the burger celebration. And it was just, oh, what, a moment, what a moment. And just, uh, even, just Sean Derry in that game as well, just how they were both so committed to it and just like did not care that it was completely lowly amateur. They were like, it's Palace against Brighton. We don't fucking lose to Brighton. So yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> what a great time. So, um, right. One, <laughs> okay. So. Um, I'm sure everyone saw the Sean Dyash press conference last week. So um, in a quick, uh, we're playing Burnley this week. So I thought we'd talk about his lookalikes um, conversation. Mm. Uh, Hambo, did you see this? 
I did, yeah, yeah. I rewatched it again today as well, just to remind myself. Um, I'm sure Albert will talk about um, the comedy chops of Sean Dyche, but you know, it was it was an interesting diversion, wasn't it? And I have to say, I do know the lookalike game. It's a game that I've played with my friends many, many times. We don't play it in a very nice way, though. You know, we take the thing that each of us are most insecure about, and we we find people who you know have that same characteristic, and we say. What are you doing over there? And things like that. <laughs> so, for example, my mate who's about five foot four. If we ever see very short people, um, we will we will say, "I'll use his name, Brent. Why are you over there as well?" Things like that. Um, myself and my friend Matt are, are sensitive about our weight, and um, yeah, yeah, we um, we pick the uh, you know fellow large people and 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 that kind of stuff. So that's how we play that game. To be honest, I'd be more concerned that my name is Brent. <laughs> I mean, it is a problem. Um, I, I won't say a surname, but it is worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, we'll keep that one for off air. Uh, Albert, what did you what did you think about Sean Dyche's presser? I haven't seen it, mate. Overrated. <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I had to turn it off. Too cringe. Sharp, Sean Dyche. And... The journalists trying to chip in as well, like like they're fucking comedians as well. Thought the whole thing was a disgrace. <laughs> it was. Um, I, I thought it was actually really good deflection though, because the amount of times Burnley have been absolutely pumped by Man City, he clearly just didn't want to talk about it. Because what was he going to say? Yeah, we're probably going to lose five 0 again. Is pretty much the gist of it. Um, so, did you come up with any um, of your own lookalikes? I mean, the one I remember vividly, and I think I've mentioned it on back of the nest before but was when everybody sang you're just a fat eddie murphy to jimmy floyd hasselbank (laughs) i um, i I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that one (laughs) fat eddie murphy oh uh, what about you albert uh well i remember the aforementioned um crystal palace message board based fan site did a look i did a look lucky section once and i submitted uh and apologies i don't know the guy's name but the uh Singer from Offspring was a was a, a dead ringer for Aki Riolati at one point, um, yeah. With, yeah. with the bleach blonde sort of spiky hair. Um, yeah, I, good shout. Other, other than that, I've just got um, John Terry and an arsehole. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I've got three for Roy Hodgson, um, so you guys can pick between you what's, what what who he looks the most like. We've got uh, Al, obviously. Um, the steward of the steward at West Brom, yeah, or Theresa May. Ooh, that's tricky. <laughs> I mean, the steward the steward at West Brom was a good one, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. You've just reminded me as well. Sorry to, but but Louis Van Hall and um, Mamma Fratelli from the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Or Beavis <laughs> or Butthead. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bernie players, if you, if you do, you know what James Tarkovsky looks like. No. Well, it's the FA Cup is the answer because he's he's Lugo was a fucking humongous. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and um, and another one, and the last one we'll do is Ashley Barnes. He looks like a cunt. Um, hey. Hey. Right. I've not seen one of those for a while. You have to remind me. <laughs> well, um, give it give it a lawnmower three point oh, and then you'll be able to see it. <laughs> Not sure that's the ad they're looking for. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it is. I don't know. Um, I'm more concerned. So, my wife's listening, to be honest. 
<laughs> so what do you want do you want to do to add now hambo oh yeah i guess i can do yeah because that's uh that's an interesting god what a great that, that, what a great nice smooth segue. professional segue into yeah, yeah, yeah. into our paid sponsorship and the thing well, is, you know, every, it, yeah. everything's a lot more smooth these days with Manscaped. So. Go, go Hambo. <laughs> go Hambo. Why? Go. Okay, the, the problem is they want us to start with a, an introduction which completely sort of derails it from being a segue. But I'm gonna, I'll, do, I'll do it anyway. We'll, we'll, you know, we've got producers to edit around this stuff, haven't we? They won't. <laughs> no, they won't. No, no, absolutely not. Support. Oh, hold on. <laughs> My neighbour's going to uh, open, open and shut their door, which would be quite loud. How do you know that's going to happen? Because I could hear the creak of the stairs. <laughs> I think he'll be fine. Yeah, it, prob- it probably will. I think it's things will sort of get my composure back. Right. <clears throat> Support for Back of the Nest is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Big news. Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over at all times. Who knew smelling this good could feel this good too? Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Mm. I genuinely like the smell of this. Oh, the the refined cologne. (laughs) <laughs> well, we kind of, well weirdly i do kind of smell like my ball sack now because the the smells are made to complement each other but i genuinely liked it i was like oh no i'm not gonna have to talk about on a podcast about a product i really don't like and then it was like oh it, actually it's really nice i'm actually shocked so um fair play to manscaped and their refined cologne um, right. which is incidentally who max meyer plays for now <laughs> In a refined way, as a refined midfielder. <laughs> ah, it's, look, you know, it, we, we've talked about it a lot on the watch along as well. I've, I've been doing a live spray along on the watch along. Um, you know, <laughs> Jesus, what things. an image. <laughs> <laughs> Just realised what I said there. Thanks, Albert. Let's not draw attention to that any more than we need to. But um, yeah, it, no, it is. It's a really good, good smelling cologne, and um, and yeah, and as you say, it is. It is supposed to match all of their all of their products. But Albert, a um, lot of uh, reaction I, I I got from people I know who uh, who listened to the pod about your your ad that was on the show last week, and I know, you know, you personally decided that you were too you too you know you had too many other colognes and you, you've, you've basically made a huge mistake because this is the best one. But you don't, you can't talk about that, but you can talk about your smooth testicles, right? I mean, for hours. <laughs> Listen, I just spoke from the heart, yeah? And I mean, the the potato peeler in the camping tin was a personal highlight. I mean, <laughs> not, not that, for me. That, not for those me. Two, <laughs> those two things together would not even exist in my vocabulary. I just don't understand. But yeah, you know, we we can't speak uh, highly enough of uh, the fact that not only do they sponsor us, and they've they've you know this is the second month they've been sponsoring us, and it's um, hugely appreciated. You know, we've had plenty of, uh, of of listeners use our code BOTN at manscaped.com to get twenty percent off and free shipping. That's why we've still got this uh, this relationship with Manscaped. They sent us all their products. We talk about them because they are good. So everyone knows Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. But as we say, they haven't stopped there. You can complete your grooming game with the refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped and endorsed by me and Terence. Um, 
you know, and it's the same signature scent in the, in, that's in all Manscaped formulas. Uh, it's a perfect complement to the collection. It's light, approachable, gentlemanly in all the right ways. Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. In lockdown. So, in, <laughs> in lockdown. You, you can still have nights, you know? Yeah, it stops my missus social distancing from me on the sofa. So she's, 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 de- <laughs> she's definitely moved a couple pillows over. So there we good. go. So... Yeah, last little bit, really, just to describe the scent to you. And I think, Terence, you can tell me if this is accurate, because I think it is. The signature scent, it introduces a light citrus burst. Mm. Hang on, is this beer, is this beer check? <laughs> Terence I mean, is at risk of, of drinking it if you do describe it any further. <laughs> I've got to be careful here. Uh, it has it has anchoring notes of vetiver and a Anchoring, mass- did you just say? A- a- anchoring, just to be, let me just pronounce that again so it's clear. Anchoring notes of vetiver and a woodsy masculine finish. So there you Gu- go. Be guilty. Be, be, be guilty. <laughs> Have you got a woodsy masculine finish? That's good. That's good news. Any time. Any time. Good news. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's leave that there. Do be sure to sh- ch- ch- to check out. I'm going to retake that bit. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's complicated saying all the words. You have drunk words. some. By the sounds of it. <laughs> it's difficult. Ter- Terence did chauffeur early on and none of us picked him up on that. Why are you having to go at me? <laughs> oh, he says desperados. Oh, God damn it. Right, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm not even going to say that bit anymore. Let's just get to the main point. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BOTN. Look good, smell good, feel good with Manscaped. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos. Choose your match day squad, post match ratings and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, yeah, obviously Palace uh, lost 2-0 to Leeds United. It's a scoreline that um, Heskov stole before I could predict it on the show last time out. And um, really poor performance from Palace, it has to be said. You know, you never really thought it would be the same story. Well, most of us didn't really think it'd be the same story, apart from you, Terence, who predicted it would be. Um, but, it, you know, I, I suppose we can't, we have to start with the lineup because it, it was a bit of a surprise. And... Not one that I necessarily had a problem with before we started. So Guaita in goal, Klein 
Dan Cahill-Mitchell at the back. So obviously Mitchell coming back into the side. And that enabled the selection of Patrick Van Arnholt at left midfield in a 4-4-2. Eze play starting on the right with Luca and Gyro in the middle. And new boy JP Mateta up top alongside the undroppable Jordan Ayew. Um so, I mean, look, I've got my thoughts on that, but I'll, I'll start with you, Terence. What did you think when you saw the lineup? First of all, did you expect the four-four-two with the players picked, and, and and what did you think about how it, how we set up? Well, firstly, I'm right. Um, whoever tweeted it from the back of the Nest account saying that he listens to the pod and is deliberately mugging me and has give off by us always saying that he never makes changes and it's always, you know what you're going to get. Um, and then he starts throwing spanners into work all over the place in the last couple of weeks. But no, absolutely. I think everyone thought it was going to be a 4-2-3-1 based on paper, what the formation looks like. Um, turned out to be a 4-4-2 again with... Patrick Van Arnholt on the left of midfield um, and are you going up top alongside Mateta? Um, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> the uh, guy who interviewed Hodgson before the game said it's going to be a 4-4-2 with Mateta and are you? I was like, oh, you're sure of yourself. And then immediately watched Hodgson start to agree with him. And I was like, oh, okay, I understand it. Um, I mean, we we beat him with a we beat him with a four four two at home when we beat him four one. It worked it worked for us on that day. Um, perhaps there's something in it how good a coach Bielsa is because he tweaked around a bit and made us look a lot more ineffectual, oh, infinitely more ineffectual than we did on that day. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm not a fan. I don't. A lot of people have called for Patrick Van Arnold going into left midfield, and I think he's been. Uh, He's been lost. He can get lost at left back where he plays all the time. To put him into a position that he doesn't know what he's doing, um, I'm, I'm not surprised he was found wanting Hambo. No, definitely not. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that, that bugged me a little bit. I, I said before the game, I really enjoyed the fact that we've been a little bit out there, a little bit creative. But you know, that that decision was probably. <laughs> more inexplicable and strange than I thought. But I've, I've got some views on how Roy justified it later on, but I want to get Albert's reaction first uh, before I do that. You know, again, when you when you saw that lineup, Albert, and you saw PVA at left wing, uh, but you saw Mateta started as well, how, how did you feel? Well, it just, I mean, just for the sake of variation, it was refreshing to see something a bit different. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I looked at it and thought, oh, well, you know, that could work. Um Again, I thought it was going to be a 4-2-3-1 when I saw it, uh, and it quite clearly wasn't. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to sit here with uh, hindsight and go, oh, yeah, I thought it was going to be shit. Uh, I, I was quite up for it. Um, I thought I thought Van Arnholt over Townsend was mildly controversial, but, again... There's, it reminded me of when I was uh, when I was a runner when I first got into my sort of career. People would say to me, "Here's, here's a good tip, but don't tell anybody. Um, make sure that the coffee and tea that you make is shit, and then people won't ask you to do it again." Um, <laughs> when I was so confused because when yeah. you said runner, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, exactly, yeah, exactly. No. So what the what the hell are you no. bullshitting about now? No, no, no. <laughs> when I started out, I was basically at a tea boy. Someone says to me, if you make make sure your tea and coffee is shit, then nobody will ask you to do it again. And I kind of feel like that's what Roy's done with playing PVA on the left. He's like, <laughs> even, you know, normally it was like, why don't we do, why don't we play Schlup and PVA in, you know, people offering up one of those as a wing or one of those as a left back. 
And I feel like Roy's just done that uh, and been like, there you go. You had it for 45 minutes. It was crap. It didn't work. I'm never going to do it again. Um, yeah. So people people can't say that he hasn't tried something different. Um, it didn't really work. I mean, I've, 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 I think we'll delve into it a bit more. I've got, I've got a bit of an excuse uh, lined up for why PVA didn't have the greatest 45 minutes that we'll ever see. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just wasn't very good, was it? Is, is yeah. the short well, answer? That is the short answer, and, that, and that's pretty much... We're, not, we're going to slightly more detail than that, but frankly, not too much. Um, but I want to I just address the, the, the comments that Roy had made after the game about, about the lineup and about the choice that he made. Because as Terence said, it, it looked like it might actually suit a four-two-three-one and, and, and be be a very interesting um, formation. But Roy, you know, he's he's basically dismissed that after what was a pretty decent half against Wolves. Um, although he didn't st- score and didn't create much, he decided that it didn't work, and then four-four-two is the way we're going to continue to play. So I, I find that very odd. But he was asked why he selected Van Arnholt and. His reason immediately was talking about how Leeds played. You know, he's, you know, he said Rafinha's been doing really well down that side, which he absolutely has. So, you know, he was all about giving protection on that side of the pitch to to Tyreek Mitchell. And, you know, so this is a team you beat four one, and who can see lots of goals. And we're going yet again going into the game thinking about how dangerous they are, um, and not thinking about the impact of playing a left-back and, you know, a terrible one at that at times, but one that had been playing okay at left-back for the last two games, moving him into into the left of midfield, sacrificing, you know, attack. And, you know, and then having to correct that mistake by putting a player who was sat Sorry, on the bench. I couldn't hear but what you said. My, phone, my watch is really angry with me. Um, I don't know if you heard your, your watch yeah, couldn't hear what you said. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. can hear what you're saying. Yeah, well, I don't know why my watch didn't understand. That's quite that's derailed me slightly. That Albert, do you think? I mean, I've started to. Well, it's my... kind of fitting. It's kind of fitting because you know PVA oft, so often gets derailed in <laughs> positioning. So it's. Um... But it just you know that's the whole point. Is like if he'd said I was trying to do something different, I was trying to you know they they saw they seen how we played. I'm trying to throw them a bit of a curveball and, and make them think about it. I think Patrick's got some good you know some good ability going forward. Um, you know, could have got at their left back. Sorry, could have got at their right back. All that kind of stuff. I, you know, actually, I misspoke there, but he did spend quite a lot of time on the right wing as well. So, but you know what I mean? It's if there was some kind of indication that it was about more than just how can we be more defensive against a team we smacked four pass back pass last time, I'd have been okay. Do you know it, the whole post match presser felt like? He'd, before kickoff, he'd resigned us to losing anyway. It felt like a bit like no when we go to Chelsea and he's happy with a two 0 defeat. That that kind of thing. He just kept talking about we how we knew it was going to be a difficult game. I knew it was going to be really difficult for Mateta, but I threw him in anyway. I, I knew to say it, it just didn't ring of anything of like you say we put four past them earlier in the season, and we've gone there with the intention of let's not. Let's try to not lose by more than two goals. Is just what it felt like. Yeah, and again, one, once again, we we conceded a goal stupidly early, didn't we? Um, and you you talked about it last time out. It's that we hadn't settled against Newcastle. We again didn't settle against this team, despite the fact playing we're playing experienced players at the back. No real logic behind it. But I mean, Albert, what point? 
you know, did we even try and get back in that game? You know, could, could you, could you any, see any moment where we it looked like we were going to do something? Uh, at no point did I feel, did I feel we were going to get back in that game. I mean, I have to I have to say the the, the 4-1 uh, earlier in the season, all right, you can only beat what's in front of you and the, the score is the score. But you know, at the time, it was a bit of a generous 4-1, I thought. You know, one of them was a uh, a completely random own goal that, you probably won't see the likes of anytime soon. Um, you know, our, everyone's favourite, Patrick Bamford, had a a very, very harsh uh, offside call from VAR. You know, and if those two things are slightly different, that game's only only three two, and it's and it's a different story. So yeah, it was great to to smash a four one, but it was always a bit generous. So I, I I'd, I'd be wary of saying, well, we we rolled them over last time, so we should have gone with the same approach this time. Because um, obviously they're they're a bit more experienced and settled in the Premier League uh, than they were then. So I can kind of I'm not saying I agree with going in and having a defeatist attitude, but I can see why Roy was potentially cautious in his approach. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean I agree with the the formation and the, and the lineup necessarily, but um, yeah, it just it was just a, it was just you know we we went down a goal early against Newcastle really early on to a, you know, to a worldie this time it was a bit more as a deflection. So, uh, you know, that's a bit more of a rotten luck scenario, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't kick on and we didn't. Yeah. It just, it, it lacked, it lacked something. There was poor performances. It was a poor system. Um, and that only, that only leads to uh, a disappointing result. Yeah, I'm wondering if the slow starts can be put down to Ray Lewington missing. Um, you know, he's the sort of person who always geeing everyone up all the time. So maybe that's been lacking in the changing room. He's he's not been fluffing them up, so they're not um, <laughs> they're not they're not responding early. But we've we've seen it. It's a kind of recurring theme with Palace, and you know, in either poor first halves or poor second halves, usually poor first halves, and you know, the, you know the fact that the the management and coaching staff have to get in in them and, and say you know what you know where's the intensity where's the sharpness in the passing you know and I'm gonna rather than go into to vast amount of detail on the game I'm just going to use the the highlights if you like from from who scored and how they summarize the game but there's a couple of things I really want to pick out but they they have a strengths and weaknesses thing those of you that are, are familiar with the the site will know what I'm talking about but if you're not they simply just look at what the statistics show you about, um, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of your team. So Leeds finished the game with team has no significant weaknesses, which um, which tells you everything you know need to know about how we top play. knots, top knots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That should be in there. The <laughs> top knots. Jeez, but um, so Palace had poor, wore poor at finishing, lost possession often, committed a high number of individual errors. So that's a lovely catalogue of <laughs> problems there. So in terms of strengths, Palace had one. We're effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from long-shot situations. Were we? I don't remember that, but I'm guessing if if the only shots you have are from outside the box, possibly. That one guess... Townsend one that went to the keeper, that's the only one yeah. I can think of. There was an IU one in the first half as well, which was pretty tame, but also went directly to the keeper, and that was from just outside the box. Jordan that's Iowa. pretty much it. So... Um, but Leeds, Leeds had a whole host of strengths that I won't read out. We're not going to focus on them. But what really stuck out for me when you start to look at the passing, if you want to think about, 
you know, are we going overboard? You know, is, are people just going from one extreme to another after two wins? We we saying that this is a worse game than it was. We aren't. The passing was was incredible. So our average pass streak was four, which I think was I thought was three passes too high, but. <laughs> We made a total of 347 passes in the whole match to Leeds 743. They had an average pass streak of seven. Um, we hit more long balls than they did, despite the fact that they played they played twice the number over twice the number of passes we did. You know, and, and mysteriously Benteke doesn't play, and we put ten crosses in the box as well. So we're, we're doing everything we can possibly do to be as shit as possible. Frankly, statistically, that is my that is my statistical summary. And um, our, our, our best part, our best pass of the night was the one that Luca laid on a plate for Bamford. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, look, I don't. You know, I suppose looking at the first goal, Albert, you talked about it. You're absolutely right. It was. It was a deflection, and it was it was you know one of those things where I don't necessarily look at it and think like I did against Newcastle. Yet again, it's players marking spaces, not closing things down. It was just you know, it, they they got a bit lucky with a shot from from just outside the box, didn't they? And um, that can happen. I can I can kind of live with that. But um, I'll be honest, I've I've cast the second goal from my memory because it's Bamford, but. Uh, do, do, do you know? So it was he made the Quater made the great save and it bounced into Bamford's pass and he tapped it home. But on Patrick Bamford, did you see his interview after the game? No, but I heard he came across really well. I was I was too busy being extremely angry with everything. He has multiple times this season, and it it was in this in this interview where I've actually I, I think I've changed my opinion of him now a little bit. And where he said he was talking about you know Bielsa's not only improved me as a footballer, he's improved me as a person. And he just doesn't seem like that. He, he come across as such a brat when he was at Palace. Oh, yeah. And now it's just not, you know, he is an extremely hardworking centre forward who is just a million miles from the player we saw at Sellers, a million miles. And, um, yeah, I've, you know, I, I think he's he's harshly done by a lot because of the way he sounds when he speaks because he's, you know, he just comes across like a right posh boy. But, you know, him talking, actively talking about how Bielsa's improved him as a human as well was... Um, was I think was quite telling, and it shows in his football. And um, I, I, I think it, it, with every passing second of that interview, my my any sort of hatred I harboured towards him slowly drifted off. I mean, yeah. Go on, Hambo. No, I was just going to say. I mean, the, the problem I always had with him was he, uh, you know, at Palace he was not only was he shit, but he basically said, you know, blamed blamed the club, didn't he, if you like. It was all about him not getting the opportunities, not settling and all this kind of stuff. And he seemed to be really, you know, felt like he kind of deserved more. He'd been he'd been the main man at Borough, hadn't he, the season before and just expected to walk into our team and and have it handed to him on a plate. But so, you know, I don't know if I want to like him, but but it, it sounds like he's he's grown up a bit. And in terms of the only thing I think, other thing I want to touch on on the game is that Leeds Leeds were there for the take it in that opening twenty five minutes. We turned over the ball so many times in their half, deep in their half, in that opening twenty five minutes, and just could not take advantage of it. And I don't know whether that was down to the pitch, which made the final ball a little bit more difficult than it may have been. Our golden boy Gyro was actually guilty a couple of times of not picking the right pass, which is very unusual for him. 
um, as we've talked about on previous pods, maybe maybe we've jinxed him. Who knows? But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think the, the most infuriating thing about after that opening twenty five minutes is if we would have just picked picked the right pass once there, we could have scored, and maybe the game would have been very different. But I think after that, about half hour into the game, well, we barely laid a glove on them, did we? No, it was it was really it was so passive again, wasn't it? Um, I'd look, I want to just a last little thing, really. I'm trying to pick out positives where when I can. And I happen to notice, and I'm going to see if you guys can can guess. So in the um, the top player statistics in Europe on who scored, a Palace player does feature. Uh, and the categories are aggression, shots per game, dribbles per game, tackles per game, assists, and overall rating. So if you could pick a Palace player um, to go into any of those categories, who do you think is within the top players in Europe? Jordan Ayo. Incorrect, Terence. So, they appear in the top what list top, of those top categories? Top five players in these categories. I'll do the categories again. It's the same player he appears in all of them. No, 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 no. He's in one of these categories. Oh, oh, oh hang on. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't make any difference if, you, if your answer was Jordan, are you? So he's good Jordan I. So it could be top five in, in aggression in Europe, top five in shots per game in Europe, top five in dribbles per game, top five in tackles per game, top five in assists, and top five in ratings in Europe. Thoughts? Well, I, I mean, Luka Milivojevic has so many yellow cards this season. Yeah, in, a, in, the, aggre- in the aggression in, in category. The aggression. Okay, you're both, are you both going with that because you're, you're wrong? Mm, interesting. With 11 yellow cards, he's still not in there. No, although weirdly, I'm looking at the people who are, and I suppose it's combined yellow and red. Mm, yeah, so red card's yeah. probably worth a few more yeah, points. Yeah, or that'd something. be what it is, because there's 7 and 2, 9 and 1, 8 and 1, 8 and 1, 5 and 2. Anyway, so it's tackles per game, and it's in third place, Tyreek Mitchell. Tyreek Mitchell, yeah. I think it's only what AWB's ahead of him and um, someone from another league. Jordan Ayew? Jordan Ayew? It's Abergel who plays for Lorient and Rondier who plays for Marseille. Oh, okay. Um, And I I can't say Desperados. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading an article today on who scored about... um, Well, I I say I was reading, I wasn't that in depth, but um, I saw Aaron Wan-Bissaka in terms of successful tackles was really high up, so maybe that's more what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something ironic about you guys trawling through a, a website called whoscored.com when <laughs> we definitely didn't score.com yeah. in the last game. I thought that was an insult about my love life for a moment there. Absolutely. No, but I can do one if you want. No, no, it's all right. I, can I just say uh, one thing, One, if, if, if we're about to move on from the uh, Leeds game, what, one factor that I thought contributed to Patrick Van Arnholt's downfall in that, it's not even in the game, was it? In the first, in, the, in half a game, uh, I thought Jordan Ayew really fucked up Patrick Van Arnholt in that game. Um, Jordan Ayew seemed to just want to come out to the left wing to get the ball, and I don't know if that was, uh, you know, because he thought Patrick Van Arnholt wasn't doing a good enough job. But Jordan Ayew seemed to come out and just occupy that space at the same time. And when he was on the touchline, credit to him, he was he was retaining possession and and at, at times. I think it was the first half. He sort of he did like a, a Yannick Balassi, managed to like do a drag back and like free himself from like three players tight up against the touchline. But it seemed to me in the in the first half, 
he was treading all over. And I'm not saying that Patrick Van Aanholt would have had a good game and wouldn't have gone off at half time, but it just seemed uh, maybe it's part of the confusion of playing in that position. But it just seemed to me that IU and PVA were both trying to play left wing uh, in the first half, and it just it was just I'm going to use the word clusterfuck, absolute <laughs> clusterfuck. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who else had a pretty good drag back in that game. Gary Gary Cahill, <laughs> <laughs> after getting utterly embarrassed, oh, he's some yeah. he's some player, Rafinha, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I was quite quite jealous watching him play. To be honest with you, his weight very, of very passing. Dumb. I just really wanted to hear the commentators talk about his weight of passing a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> that and Patrick Bamford's mis- torment of misery whilst at Crystal Palace. I don't think they talked about that enough either. Oh yeah, I mean that that because that, that was a line in the commentary for the goal, wasn't it? About, oh. yeah, that, yeah, it was the, the worst time of his life. He commented, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, was it? But um, I, I actually felt I actually felt like the commentators did a better job, that, uh, not you know wanking all over Leeds in that game. I thought they I, I thought they toned it down a bit, to be honest. Well, for, I mean, obviously, I didn't hear the commentary doing the watch long, and it's obvious you guys didn't watch along with us. So, um, can I just gloss over that? And you also say that well, it wasn't the worst time of Patrick's life when he was at Palace. It was the worst time of my life. So, <laughs> um, I was going to ask, uh, how do we feel about Roy in versus Roy out now? But there's plenty of time to do that in the rest of the season. So, let's do some preview, and then Terence. Yeah. So, um, straight off the back of this, if we go into Burnley and. Um... You know, we'd we'd had a pretty good run against Burnley up until a couple of games ago, where we we seemed to beat them at will. I think we might have strung five wins on the trot against them, but two one nil losses in in recent games. Um, Hambo, the first stat that jumps off the page is they've failed. They have failed to score in seven of their last nine away games. Well, we know that's going to go, don't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm queuing you up with all the Heskiff questions here. Yeah, well, um, he, he he wanted somebody to moan, and I can do that for you. We are guaranteed to concede in the opening five minutes, aren't we? Let's face it. Um, mm. You know, we, we, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. Really, with what we're going to do defensively. I, you know, I don't see us getting any players back, um, and we're there to exploit and bully. The only thing you can possibly think of is that maybe they don't have the type of forward players that Gary Cahill is going to lose quite so regularly. But, um, but hey, who knows? Yeah, well, they, they, their strengths on, on who scored, uh, I believe it was aerial duels, which um, we've not been great at, particularly particularly <laughs> Gary Cahill. Um, you know, with our set-piece statistics this season, kind of uh, Burnley are the worst opposition we really want to be playing at the moment. I mean... Albert, even in the Leeds game, Leeds, who I talked about on the pod last week, are no danger from set pieces. They just don't score them. And the ones they do score tend to be direct free kicks. They look like they were going to score from every corner against us. So how do you think we're going to fare against the the likes of Tarkovsky and me and Chris Wood in this one? Leeds looked like they were going to score from our corners. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> um, how are we going to? Uh, yeah, uh, how, when you said how are we going to get on against me, I, I, I thought you were shaping up for a game of the weekend. It really threw me. You uh, listen. Oh, it's it's going to be a war of attrition. It's not going to be a pretty game. However, we shake it, uh, and we you know we need to be more resilient at set pieces. You know, do you remember that time when we were so fucking good at defending set pieces, like? Two seasons ago, we really need to get some of that back because we look very, very soft from mm. anything that resembles a long ball into our area at the moment. 
Remember Tony Pulis, we only conceded one and that was in the final home game of the season against Liverpool. That was the only set piece we conceded from. He, oh. well, he used to dish out the old fines, didn't he, for losing a man at a set piece? <laughs> Do you get a double fine for losing Joe Allen in the yeah. penalty area? It's a, it's a fine <laughs> or a naked headbutt, you choose. <laughs> naked headbutt with the baseball cap on though. Yeah, fair enough. At least it, yeah. at least it draws the eye. Well, do you think he'd turn the peak of the baseball cap backwards before he headbutted you, or just plow the peak through you and then the head? Uh, no, I think him. He he looks at wearing a baseball cap backwards as a bit too jazzy. So he just puts the peak straight through you before the head. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> um, you with it. He absolutely scalps you with the peak of the cap and follows through with the glasses. Now, talking about things that you can't get enough of commentators saying is, of course, Wilfred Zaha is most likely to be out for what's going to be weeks, pushing months now, I would imagine, um, by the sounds of things with the injury. And, of course, the stat always comes up about our performances in recent seasons about Zaha and Hambo. It's lost 18 of our last 23. Um, and I think it's 15 or 16 of those now we haven't scored in. Either. Fine margins. Fine margins. <laughs> Now, um, at Leeds, at Leeds, we was obviously dreadful in, but yeah, we. Uh, I saw a couple of tweets knocking around like this, saying that sometimes we are that awful as well with Zaha in the team. So it's it's not particularly a Zaha problem and an Leeds performance. Fucking hell! Yeah. <laughs> but there, there is a there, there is obviously a trend there with us without Zaha being shit. So uh, how how do, how do we make this different against Burnley? What can we do? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, you, you certainly, if you look at the Leeds game, one of the one of the biggest problems caused by Zaha's absence wasn't necessarily the quality he brings on the ball, because like you say, you can have bad games and we can be terrible. But what it enabled Leeds to do was to basically take Eze out of the game. If it, we didn't really talk too much about it, but Eze didn't have a very good game. You know, misplaced a hell of a lot of passes, uh, really struggled to get any space. And, and when he did, there were no options for him. And that that is basically what happens when Wilf isn't in the team. The movement in the team is basically gone. You know, the 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 the, the bit of magic that Roy likes to rely upon, uh, you know, keep it tight, bit of magic. We're failing to keep it tight, and now we haven't got the bit of, mag- bit of magic. So, you know, it, it does need some creative thinking. It, perhaps not on the Patrick Van Arnholt plays left wing scale, but it, it does need some kind of a shake-up. And I thought we saw that, and we saw enough of of the the four two three one that we might have a chance of doing that. Now obviously Zaha played in that and we perhaps wouldn't create enough. But I think that extra body in midfield is what it's all about. Getting as a centrally with a with a couple of anchor points behind him. I said anchor. And you know that then that allows you to bring you know Townsend on the side. You can you can move Jordan Ayu out to the side. You can have Mateta or Benteke as a focal point. That that to me seems the way to go. You know, don't go like for like against Burnley when we're in terrible form and you know and and, and struggling to defend. That that'll be it for us with, without Wilf. We need to change what we do, not just chuck players in to the same system and hope to get a better result when your best player's not there. So, I mean, I, I'm scared to second guess Roy now, um, but I assume we will be matching up four four two against Burnley as we did at their place, which resulted in them winning 1-0 and 
we we had a lot of chances in that game on paper, but in reality, they there wasn't really anything that was that was amazing until very late on, wasn't it? Pope made a great save late on, didn't he? But up until that point, there wasn't really much to write home about. Um, but Albert, do you, I, I can't see him putting the same four four two out as he's done against Leeds there because you you've got a fancy that Townsend's going to come in for, for PVA, um, but. Kiate's now had a couple of games rest. Can you, you just see him have an opportunity to come back in, or you know, his, or do you just think he'll continue with Dan because historically he's tended to put Dan in when we played against Burnley to try and deal with the aerial threat? Yeah, I mean, if we're going to play four four two, I can see an argument for bringing Kiate in to, you know, replace either Dan or Cahill. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sure if if one of those is going to drop out, it is probably Dan. Uh, I can see an argument for Kiate coming in if we go to a four-two-three-one, which we won't. So let's not talk about it. Um, but I, I do fully expect again if it's the four-four-two, I, I, I need to see Andros Townsend start because, I mean, you alluded to it to it earlier, Terence. You know, if we're going to play either Benteke or Mateta, who, who just you know just looping back to the Leeds game, I don't think he had a bad game. I think he was pl- he was he was played as all our sort of strikers are at the moment, very isolated, had to come incredibly deep to get anything near a whiff of the ball and had some nice touches and, you know, try to link play, but, you know, found himself 30 yards away from the penalty area in doing so. So, you know, I, he had my sympathy there. So again, yeah, I can see an argument for those changes. I, I, I mean, I don't like the 4-4-2 at all. Uh, but if it if it has to be the four four two, then I'm kind of less I'm less worried about who plays centre half and more concerned about who plays out wide because you can't do PVA again based on uh, Monday night's experiment. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I just can't see how Townsend doesn't come back into the team. Um, Hambo, the next question I guess is what what the what front two we go with. So when we lost one nil at Turf Moor this season, it was Ayu and Batshuayi started that game. Um, and played the first seventy six minutes with each other, and obviously there was no there was no joy there. So I assume Roy will look back at that, and it rules that two out as a pairing. So do you think it continues <laughs> with Mateta and Ayu? <laughs> Does it continue as Mateta and Ayu, or do you think he gives um, Mateta a chance um, with someone else, or or do you see it Ayu moving back out to the left and Townsend not actually getting in at all and <laughs> someone else coming in I mean he's got options but I think we all know what it's probably going to be yeah look, I mean I, I I laughed because you know it's the idea that Roy wouldn't try something that didn't work um you know <laughs> if it if it suited him he'll just he'll just do what he wants to trust like, the if, process yeah exactly trust the process respect the respect the occasional point um look it, there's a difference between what I think will happen and what I would like to see you know what I'd like to see is, I don't feel that we're in danger of getting relegated right this season so I I think Mateta pretty much every game till the end of the year um and, and see what we've got and other you know that that he's he's going to need so much time and, and and so many minutes to adjust I just think it's right to keep him in that side who plays with him um you know I I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling Jordan Ayew as a striker this year and, and neither is he by the looks of things so um, you know, and the, the like, work... yeah, he has a good relationship with the ground at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah, he absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 be fair. But you know, I, I know the I know Roy values the work rate because, and, and I know that because Roy says it every single time he plays Jordan. Are you? So, 
You know, and I, I know I'm getting I'm negative and I'm cynical and I'm doing the Heskiff role, but it is it is so frustrating. You know, to me, stick. I mean, let's let's do something different, and especially if we're going to go four four two. Bung the two big men up there, right? Benteke and Mateta together. Mateta's more mobile. Benteke hold the ball up. You know, you've got that little bit of unpredictability in what Mateta can do. You know, little flicks here and there, that kind of stuff. He's got to get up to the pace of it. Benteke seems to be out of favour, I assume, because of the contract situation and we're just kind of let, letting him drift out of the team now. And then, yeah, stick Towns in one side, stick Ayu the other side and, and just, just go for it like that. Um, that. That's what I would go with. But I expect to see Jordan Ayu start up top. I probably think the Mateta experiment will be over for a couple of games at the very least. Um, and I expect, you know, maybe Batshuayi uh, alongside there. But who knows, maybe PVA will be up front this week. Yeah, I imagine Sean Dyche looks at our start, well, our a squad, and just can't imagine why we're not playing Townsend on one flank, Zaha on the other, and just putting crosses into the big two up top. I'm sure that's what we have. But one thing that did surprise me with Mateta, it was uh, for, for his size. I assumed he was a bit of a different player than he actually is. That he was trying to get in behind a lot. That was where he wanted the ball, and I think it um, a couple of times that's what confused our midfielders. That he's a he's want to run in behind versus coming short and holding it with his back to play. There's somebody so, running towards their goal. What's going on? Well, exactly. That's, prob- that's probably why the Mateta experiment is over, as Hambo just said, because how dare you run towards goal and uh, try and make things happen. But <laughs> obviously we could. But it will, it, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see which what's, which two he goes with up top. Um, I hope Mateta stays in, as you say, Hambo. I think if Ben Teke is on his way out, which he most likely is, or you know, he's going to be signing a contract at a very reduced rate again with an with an eye of just trying to get rid of him um, to get a transfer fee for him or whatever. Um, Mateta's supposed to be the future, right? We've we've signed him for what's going to be big money in the end, I imagine, and you know, try and try and get the best out of him and see what happens, but. I mean, I also want to say it's about time Batshuayi stepped up and done something, but I, 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 I'm, I, I still don't know how I feel for Batshuayi. If he should be, if I should be feeling sorry for him, if I should be expecting him to do more, I don't know. But I, I think he's been handled relatively badly this season by Roy, and um, you, he's a goal scorer. You feel sorry for any striker, don't you, under under Roy? But the striker graveyard, as I call it, the place that strikers come to die. And that's why I, I think mean, Mateta and Batshuayi should start. I think they're... <laughs> I, no, no, I think that's the obvious choice. You know, who's the last striker to score a goal for Crystal Palace? Mishu, mm. isn't it? Yeah. That's, and, and that's literally where we're at, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, well, yeah, I guess you, you scored the last one. So, yeah, fuck it. You, you, you get the place and you're the new guy. And as Terence says, he's meant to be the future. All our hopes are pinned on him. So fuck it, play those two. Yeah, okay. Well, we can just drop into some predictions now, I guess. I mean, <laughs> talking of who scored Hambo, it said um, within a few lines of each other, Crystal Palace will score from a wing play situation was a, was a, li- a likely scenario. Really? Um, followed by predicting a nil-nil draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of consistency I like to see from who scored. Um, well, I don't, I, I mean, I don't see it. I don't see it. You know, if Benteke plays and we cross to him, I see it. But I don't see that happening. Um, look, I've, I've got to say, I, I, I think we are we are low on confidence, massively low on confidence. Uh, we're playing a really organised team. So I can't see anything else 
other than a than a Palace nil here. The question is whether or not we can keep it as a Burnley nil, and I, and I don't think we will. I I, I feel a Burnley one nil win coming up. Now we've got some weird silence with two people on mute and me talking. A dramatic pause there from yeah. Albert. What, what what do you fancy? <laughs> we'll just we'll just carry on like nothing happened. This I, I fancy hearing you talk. Uh, <laughs> which, which makes a change. Yeah, true. Desperate times, mate. As Terence says, we're, uh, as the Hambo says, we're low on confidence. Uh, <laughs> uh I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't going to say one nil Burnley, but now Hambo's explained it. It's abundantly clear that that's what it's going to be. Uh, so I will try, try and lift the mood, but ever so slightly by saying, uh, it will be a delightful one, one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be optimistic and say one nil palace just because we, we, we need it from some, we need it from somewhere again, though. I just, uh, if uh, I've said it a few times intermittently across pods, it just feels ridiculous that we have as many points as we do at this stage of the season and we all seem in such miserable mood but um here we are so hambo the match report on the weekend um talking about what is going to be um this rip roaring game one one for the neutrals everywhere um who who, who's on the match report and when you're doing it who's on the match report and when we're doing it well as everybody knows, as every old romantic knows, it's of course Valentine's Day on Sunday, and Sunday is usually the day of recording. Um, so, so you'll be on it then. So I'll be on it. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, have something to do this year. So um, I will. Yeah. So we'll either be recording on the, on the Saturday night, or might have to push it to the Monday. Um, but it will be whoever the hell is available. Hopefully, some of the usual candidates. You know, Mike, Dr. Maybe you never know. He might make might make an appearance. Alex Ponge, you know, he's occasionally about, isn't he, old Ponge? Um, Chris Clark, you know, you never know. Who who do, who do people want? <laughs> Send an email to hi at backofthenest.com. Tell me who you want. And don't say put a vote, a vote on Twitter every week. About who, and guys, guys, <laughs> don't all say me because it just gets embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, there's it's it's an annoying amount of truth in that as well. So, yeah. All right. I mean, I can't look. I can't wait till the pandemic's over and we can start recording podcasts again in in the back of cars. Oh, don't you just miss that? I mean, it, there there was a time we recorded a podcast and then we're so late um, <laughs> that I had to drive in uh, an interesting way. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that was when you dropped me off at Croydon Station and parked up on the tram line. I did park on the tram line, and there was a very angry tram driver, wasn't there? Uh, while well, you guys, because you were facing the wrong I way was, as well, you were facing... driving the wrong way. <laughs> and that, and that, that was shortly after dropping me off at Chessington World of Adventures. <laughs> Absolutely, you at one in the morning, <laughs> desperate to go to the bubble works, which inconvenienced everybody else. But fine, we did it. And then, uh, yeah, then I decided to play chicken with the tram. So good time. It's a good time. But I, yeah, that's the kind of crazy, uh, crazy stuff that I really miss. Yeah, just just being able to get a KFC is what I miss. Um, <laughs> right. Anyway, so if, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Hambo and Albert for joining. Get well soon, Heskiff. Uh, we hope you're back on next week. And yeah. look out for the match report on the week. <laughs> I, like, I like Hambo. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying this now. Do we? Do you want to just? Well, Hesketh host the match report. Do you think? And I can come and do this all the time. God, could you imagine how that would go? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to imagine it because I wouldn't fucking listen. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, well, so look out for the match report after this game on the weekend, and we will be back next week, I assume. Uh, it's the, oh, God, fear, fear of dread of losing game coming up. It's going to be Brighton. And, um, well, we'll see how Burnley goes on the weekend to see how we feel about going into that one. So until next week, up the Palace. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by PitchDMM.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.